an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister, and we've got Bob Savage here with us. Yes, you lucky stiffs, you got me too. I, I don't have no idea why this microphone sounds like this, but it does, so we'll just uh, try to make it work. Uh, you, you're running from the control center again, yeah, Bob? Yeah, I'm in the Bob D'Angelo chair here. This week, Bob's on vacation. He is uh, He's away in another state which is not quarantined. There's only two of them. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but th- I think we're down to, what, 19 states that are not quarantined? Don't have a travel yeah, restriction? That, that, yeah. that sounds about right to me. And, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because um, it's more of the half U.S. population, if it, you know, in terms of states and population. If somebody wanted to come to New York, they have to quarantine for 14 days. And then more than half the states you would travel to, um, you would then have to quarantine and when you come home, and then some of them you'd have to quarantine while you're there too. So you think about it. If you travel, depending on the state you go to, you have to quarantine there for 14 days and then come home and you've got to quarantine again for another 14 days, putting you at 28 days of quarantine. Yeah, basically a month. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're out of work for a month. Got to got to sit on the beach for a month. You know, our uh, on our flagship station here in uh, in Rochester, the overnight show had a call in from a guy uh, who has been quarantined in Europe for like five months, ever since wow. this whole thing started. He's there with his family. He's in Germany, and he can't get home. The guy, the guy can't work. You know, he can't get his job done. His his wife is caring for the kids. They're sitting in some hotel. It's like six hundred dollars a night. Holy crap! Wow. I mean, just 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 imagine this for a minute. And then uh, you know he's and, and the Germans don't want him there. They keep on yeah. trying to they keep on trying to arrange travel for him to go places. So he's like, well, that's great that you can get me to Gatwick in London. But then what happens? And the Germans say, well, you're on your own then. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, they just want to get rid of him. And he's he's, you know, he's burning through his four hundred one k, and he he can't get back to the states because of all these quarantines. It, yeah. So this is an American trying to get back yeah. home. Yeah he, yeah, he just called into the talk show. He said, you know, he says, you know what? Give me COVID. I'll just, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll get COVID. My family will get COVID. I'll be fine. Everything will work out okay. I just have to get back home. Yeah, because the, yeah. the the man has no life. Yeah, it's it's really interesting looking at that. Um, my wife and I were. You know, about a week ago, we were sitting here thinking about, okay, things are starting to open. Maybe we could plan a trip. You know, we had we had two conferences that we were supposed to go to and a, a separate trip, including a, a, a trip with some friends that was supposed to be kind of like a, a road trip with some camping and stuff. All of it got canceled because of COVID one way or another um, between the conferences shutting down, the airlines canceling some of the flights, 
um, and then some of the states enacting additional quarantine requirements. All that stuff got canceled. So about a week ago, we we're like, well, you know, things are starting to open up. Like, let's look and see where we could travel to. And I got to be honest, it's actually worse than it was a few months ago. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, what happened to our freedom to travel, or our freedom of association? And here's the thing. You know, the, the news accounts out there are, you know, pounding this more cases, more cases. Oh, there's more cases than ever. What is a case? Is, is that just somebody who... Has, an, has had an antibody test, I guarantee you that those cases, finger quotes, are not people who are sick. They're just, they're just people who, you know, either might be slightly symptomatic or uh, are p- testing positive or maybe test positive for antibodies. Yeah. Well, and not just that. I mean, there have been so many reports of inaccurate tests, um, including here in Rochester. Um, somebody shared with me yesterday a story of a friend who has had trouble getting out of one of the hospitals because the hospital won't release you if you have a positive test. You need two positive tests in a row, and they'll have a negative test and then a positive test. And then they'll have a positive test and a negative test. And so the the question is, how is it that these tests are so inconsistent that you can take two tests and get two totally different results, and now you're you're basically being held somewhere. You're not supposed to leave um, without having, you know, we're relying on these inaccurate devices. And I think that this is, I think it's a problem, because what that means to me, and we've talked about this so many times, but it's worth emphasizing, that we can't trust what the numbers are. The numbers could be significantly lower or Technically, they could be significantly higher. Um, I I don't think we can look at any of the numbers and assume that they're accurate. I think the only numbers that we could look at and say that we're actually sure about this test would be the antibody test. But that's not how 90-plus percent of the people are getting tested. They're getting tested with these nasal swabs, which also seem to vary significantly. Um, I have a few people who are tested with a rapid test and the nasal swab doesn't go up and all the way back. They just kind of swab the rim of their nose versus these other tests that go all the way back and tickle your brain. So there seems to be a lot of inconsistency here, which has me, um, very concerned that nobody actually knows the right numbers. Like even the people who are using the numbers to their advantage, have no idea what the actual numbers are. Yeah, and then not only, I mean, a couple of things about the numbers. Okay, first of all, if uh, if if what we if we believe them, we take everybody at their word. All these national reports of the you know the case load is going up and up and up. What that means is that the fatality rate is going down and down and down. So the so the virus becomes less and less fatal as the number of reported cases, quote, skyrockets, unquote. Not my term, by the way. That's what you're just hearing from the mainstream media. The other thing is that we have all these, you know, all these reports of people who have sent in unused swabs and which have come back positive, you know, in multiple cases, or people who were waiting in line, and they, they ran out of time and had to leave, but they had registered to take the test, and then they get a, a mail notification that their test came back positive. There's there's too much of this. It's going on. It makes the uh, it makes the entire testing regime 
highly suspect as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I've I've heard similar reports as well. I haven't been able to actually validate any of them, but it's something that we're hearing about. We're hearing a lot about it, and we're hearing it from different places. I, I had somebody the other day that said their family member works for one of the hospitals in Buffalo, and that's the experience they had. Um, I really hope that if this is truly happening, that the hospitals and the healthcare providers start speaking out about it because that's their duty as healthcare providers. If this is really happening, people should know about it and they need to stand up and say, Hey, this is happening. This is wrong. This is inconsistent. Um, my worry is they're not doing it because they're probably making so much money off of the tests, and I'm sure there's going to be government incentives and government funding, which is why maybe it's not in their best interest to bring this to light. Um, and that that's that's just another concern. Yeah, and then there's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like the hydroxychloroquine they uh, you know debate, uh, where it's been politicized now. Now the entire COVID issue has become so politicized, and it's it's kind of like this religious fervor. You know, you believe in it, and and you got to have that mask on, and you got to social distance, and you know all the shaming that goes on, and everything else. And the the circumstances just do not warrant that. This is not the bubonic plague, and we we have there has to be a balancing act, uh, a risk benefit analysis in everything that we do in life. We have to look and say, look, is it really worth trashing our country's economy and our kids' education and our future uh, just to, quote, keep us safe? You know, government, I don't need you to keep me safe. You know, Andrew, I will keep myself safe. Thank you very much. You concern yourself with protecting the borders and, uh, you know, maintaining uh, an effective military. I'll take care of my own personal safety. Thanks very much. Yeah, you know, if uh, if only more people felt that way, Bob. I I wish uh, I think that people have gotten stuck into this decades and decades and generations of feeling that the purpose of government is to protect them, which is not the purpose of government. It's not meant to make you feel safe and warm and fuzzy. Um, it, it has very limited roles, which have expanded. Guys, we're going to take a break here when we come back in a moment on Radio Free New York. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. Today, I've got a couple stories for you guys. But before we break into it, I want to kind of give you guys the opportunity um, to call in with things that are important to you. So our number is 585-346-3000. Once again, that's 585-346-3000. If there's a topic you want us talking about, give us a call, bring it up on the phone, or you can jump on the live stream on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Just search Andrew C. Hollister. We're live right now. Feel free to post things in the comments that are important to you, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll bring them up during the show. So I think it was last week, but maybe it was a little bit further out than that. We talked about the couple who were standing out in front of their home with an AR-15 and a pistol um, in St. Louis. You, re you remember them, Bob? Oh, yeah. Yep. Been, yep. Uh, been all over the news for the last few days because they, they were arrested. They yep. were charged with, I don't know, not brandishing, but whatever, whatever the uh, 
whatever the charge is in Missouri. Yeah, yeah. So they they essentially are being charged with a felony uh, for that, which I thought we should uh, we should bring up. We should talk about because our conversation when we first brought this up was whether or not um, this was a win for the Second Amendment or not, because it was it was pretty polarizing. A lot of um, Second Amendment advocates were very upset about the way they were holding the firearms, the fact that they um, didn't have like appropriate training, which was really obvious. And um, however, a lot of people also said, but nobody attacked their property. People stayed away. Um, so it was kind of, it, it felt to many as a win for the Second Amendment, but also many felt like it, it hurt the cause because when people see that, um, undoubtedly somebody's going to propose some sort of additional gun legislation yeah. uh, that's that's going to hurt. And they're going to use these people as an example and say, look at this lady with her trigger, or her finger in the trigger in pointed the trigger. at somebody. And, it's, and she's standing behind her husband. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> not it's not good. Like, no, and there, you don't stand there with, yeah, unless you're ready to shoot that thing, you keep your finger off the trigger. And then the, and now, for what it's worth, apparently both uh, both firearms were unloaded. They, as a matter of fact, they didn't have any round. They didn't have any ammo in the house whatsoever. So basically, what they were were paperweights or doorstops. But still, I I don't think, at least not from the news footage that I saw. Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't see any brandishing going on though. They they, they weren't holding the weapons safely or appropriately. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, they weren't like sighting down them at people. So, um, yeah, it's and I don't know specifically what the, the laws are in St. Louis. I know that they're attorneys and they felt based on their understanding of the law that they were operating within the law. And they they stated in their interviews that they felt um, very much in fear of their lives, damage to their personal property. They said that people threatened to kill their dogs. Um, yeah, they so said I, they, they said they were going to kill their dog. They're going to kill them. They're going to kill their dog and burn the house down. I think that's a threat. Yeah, I, that, I, that to me feels pretty threatening. If somebody said that to me, I would feel threatened. And the fact that there's, I don't know, was there fifty of them or something like that? They were not walking placidly along. This is people have to understand where the protesters were walking is private property. That is not a you know like a city or a municipality street, that's a neighborhood which is owned by the homeowners, and they maintain that uh, that, that thoroughfare. And there was a large gate which was apparently broken down by these protesters. So you have kind of a breaking and entering situation here, and, and you have a threat. So th- there's a lot of political posturing going on there. The prosecutor uh, is, uh, well, you know, is a Soros appointee, but apparently the governor... Has said that he will that he will pardon them if they're convicted, uh, and and then somebody else is talking about I can't remember if it's the mayor or whoever it is is going would would drop the charges if they were brought, but this prosecutor is uh, is up for a big you know in a big re-election campaign, and uh, there it re- is. yeah really really has to has to try to make this stick, so that's yeah. where she's coming from. Yeah, and it's pretty interesting because the um, the prosecutor, you know, she, she says here her quote is, is illegal to wave weapons in a threatening manner at those participating in a nonviolent protest. Yeah, that's, um, that's crap. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's a few things to consider here. One being 
Um, and I don't believe this is disputed, them breaking the gate down. I, I don't think that anybody's disputing that. So if somebody broke the gate down that that basically comes into where your home is, that that definitely doesn't feel nonviolent to me. If somebody broke your fence down, I think you would feel that somebody is being violent, you know? And then later you get threats from those people. I... I, their actions themselves may not have been violence towards an individual where somebody actually was harmed, but I, I believe it's definitely a threat of violence and damage to personal property. Um, to to me, I, I don't think that you can sit there and say that it was not violent. It, it wasn't violent in the terms of, I'm not aware of anybody going to the hospital or being inj not being injured, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but in terms of the actual thing that happened, um, I'm definitely feeling that, that, that probably would be considered violence. So, so that's, that's, that's my first take on this. Um, but then the, the next piece, which is really interesting is that the prosecutor then said that if convicted, um, they wouldn't fight for any type of jail time instead they would send them to a diversion program and community service yeah sorry about that i was uh, grabbing a phone call here we have james on the line uh welcome to radio free new york james hey you know I i'm just wondering you know you were mentioning that uh, the george soros appointee out there at the da in st louis all right we all know this past da race right here in monroe county in rochester that George Soros had $800,000 tied up in the DA Democratic candidate that lost, thank God. I would like to at some point have someone ask the county executive, Mr. Bellow up here, hey, Adam, just for giggles, what's your thought of George Soros trying to buy your DA in your county that you're a member of that party? I would just love to hear the explanation of why it's okay that George Soros is getting into Monroe County under your watch. Well, it's, uh, you know, James, it's part of a, uh, a national campaign uh, which is being waged by the Soros organization, his Open Societies uh, Institute. And he wants secretaries of state. He wants prosecutors. And if you look at them, they all have an abysmal track record. Their uh, vast number of their cases get tossed. Uh, their, uh, you know, uh, uh, prosecutions that are brought are reversed. And it's just, you know, they're, they're notoriously ideological, right, Andrew? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I you know, to be honest, I haven't yeah, looked through Adam Bellow's um, campaign records, but who knows? I mean, it's possible that Bellows may have accepted money, too. Not to that amount, because I think it would have made the news, but through some PAC or some other organization, I, I wouldn't be surprised. All right. James, anything well, else? Anybody that's a Cuomo buffoon, uh, where are you going? Yeah, no, yeah, he is definitely Cuomo's guy. Thanks, James. Appreciate the call. Uh, James' line is open at 585-346-3000 if you'd like to join the show, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. So this, this thing here is, um, it'll be interesting. I bet you ultimately, well, I don't know. If if this uh, prosecutor is running for re-election, she may very well try to nail them to the wall on this. 
Um, but it would be kind of interesting because oh, you, you mean the, the couple? I, their name, name escapes me. Yeah, yeah no, she's yeah, she's, go, me, yeah. she's going for it, but uh, there's there's a lot of pushback going on now. So, and I, I, is it a is it a primary? I can't I can't remember the, what the election is that she's facing, but uh, she's definitely being challenged. Yeah, the um, so the couple's name is Mark and Patricia McCloskey. McCloskey, um, that's, it, that's yep. right. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. Democrats, by the way. Yeah, they not only are they Democrats, what's really interesting is they are um, supporters of Black Lives Matter, and they they did a, a video talking that, about how that, that'll they, teach you. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's interesting because in their in their interview they said, you know, we actually support this cause, um, and we we believe that like yeah, we need to see like social justice change, this and that. They're like, but we also don't want to feel threatened in our own home. And and they 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 even went as far to say like, hey, the vast majority of people like protesting um are peaceful, but some bad people made some really bad decisions and brought violence towards us and threatened us and and those people are the people who we were scared of and those are the people who we're afraid of. And and in their statement, they're like, we don't want this to reflect on the whole movement. We just want to reflect on the people, the small few that did bad things. Yeah. So they're they're Democrats who a own firearms. We we could talk about that. Um, but they they weren't even like anti the movement, and yet they were still you know essentially attacked. So. All right, guys, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. I'm going to check through your comments and your posts, and we'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York. That's right, 585-346-3000, out of the area, 866-552-1009, toll-free. Talk to you in a few. have a desire to be more organized. Get Organized has been helping their clients effectively organize their living spaces with custom closets, pantries, garage storage systems, and more for over 30 years. Get Organized can be reached online at www.closetsrochester.com or by phone at 585-223-3646. Get Organized with closetsrochester.com today. Flower City Collision in Henrietta is trusted by numerous corporate fleets. Properly insured and registered in New York, Flower City Collision specializes in working with insurance companies on your behalf. Get it done right. Visit FlowerCityCollision.com. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. Got Bob Savage here with us in uh, Mission Control today. And um, we were just wrapping up a discussion about Mark and Patricia uh, McCloskey and the fact that they're being charged with felony charges for um, pointing firearms at protesters. Um, I did have uh, some comments come through from Drew, who says that uh, he lives in St. Louis. Protesters did not go down that street and the gate was damaged the evening after the news media was there. Um, I'm, 
I'm not sure which street specifically uh, he's talking about, but he also said that we should recheck uh, to see if they're Republicans. So I, I did run over and did a couple of the, uh, you know. To see if who's Republicans? I, I believe um, the, uh, the couple. Well, the, um, all the news, the, all the news media reports that we've seen thus far have been Democrat. That they are Democrats. Yeah, so I I did look. I don't see specifically what their um, registration is, like with Board of Elections. But I did find that um, you know they have both Democrat or donated to both Democrat and Republican campaigns um, in the past. Also recently. Um, especially some local Democrat candidates. Um, I do see that one of them made a donation to Donald Trump's 2016 campaign. So that might be where people are thinking that they're Republicans. But I I don't see anything that would actually I, – I don't have like a copy of the Board of Records or Board of Elections records to see specifically which party they're registered to. But it looks like they have a fairly long history, um, at least since the early 2000s, of donating to both campaigns, but predominantly Democrats, um, at least up until recently. Well, they're personal injury attorneys. Uh, so they're, they're entrepreneurs, they're business people. Uh, apparently, they have a pretty extensive practice out there. And this is common practice. What, what happens is uh, people who are business owners in a community will hedge their bets, and they will donate to both political parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I mean, Donald Trump has been a major contributor to Democrats for generations because that's how you do business in New York City. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, that's well, we uh, that, that. I don't think you can draw any conclusions from that. I, that. If he has evidence, I'd like to see a voter registration card showing that the McCluskeys are registered Republicans. I don't think you're going to find that. Yeah, and I don't know um, if if down there Board of Elections records are like open and available like they are here. Um, here in New York, you can go to Board of Elections and you can get a copy of all of the registered voters, including their, um, you know, their address, their voting history, their, you know, a whole bunch of information. And when I say voting history, I, I want to put a little asterisk next to that because people might start freaking out. Um, only, it, it only shows that you voted in that election. It doesn't say who you voted for. So it'll have it's a not column. yet. Oh, yeah. Well, not yet. Yeah. Hard <laughs> by saying so. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to go to, say, the Monroe County Board of Elections, um, I think it costs, you know, 25 bucks or something like that. They'll give you a disc with a file on it um, that that has all of that information. And you can see, like, 2016 for the primary, all the voters that voted in that primary, then 2016 for the general election, all the voters that voted for that. Um, and each year, I think they go up four years back, I think. Um, and I'm sure they have the other history, but I think they only provide the last four years worth of data. So here here in New York, here in Monroe County, that information is available. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's the same in other states or not. I have no idea. No, I, I, I don't know, but... I, and as far as the the I have had I have seen no conflicting reports uh, until we got that uh, that contact from the listener in St. Louis uh, to the effect that the that the uh, gate was not broken down by the uh, by the protesters. That there there have been no accounts to that effect. This, this I mean, have, have you heard anything, Andrew? No, I was trying to think if I had heard anything 
um, that suggested otherwise, but I, I don't recall seeing anything like that. Um, yeah, whoever uh, sent I'll, that comment in, give us your source. Tell us where you saw that. Yeah, if there's if there's a link or a video or something like that, like I'd love to have it because one thing that I always try to emphasize, especially people listening to the show, um, just because I haven't seen it on the internet doesn't mean it hasn't happened, <laughs> you know. And I I don't trust mainstream media. They have their own agenda, um, even if their story. Um, happens to align with my beliefs. If somebody has something um, that opposes it, I still want to see it because I know the media is there to sell advertisements. Um, historically, they don't care very much about how accurate it is. So if you have something that conflicts with their story, I still want to see it because I want to give it the benefit of the doubt. The mainstream media has been wrong so many times that... Uh, you know, a lot of times when somebody says, well, I saw it on the news, I I do have that question of, yeah, I mean, I've seen stuff on the news, too. Do they have it right this time? Um, so I'd, I'd be happy to take a look at it for sure. Um, so, you know, with, with that being said, we can kind of move on from that. I can't remember. Bob, did you did you have a Cuomo thing for us to talk about? Well, I just had a, a Cuomo thing about uh, how the, the – uh... The mainstream media, as long as we're talking about the mainstream media, has basically anointed him Mr. COVID success, mm. uh, which is ludicrous because he's anything but. Uh, he has among the highest approval rater, ratings of any governor in the nation. That's within his, you know, his home state. Uh, and almost all governors in the nation can arguably uh, be said to have governed far more capably. This is from uh, an, uh, an article by David Harsanyi. And he says, as I write this, the coronavirus death toll in New York stands at 166 people per 100,000. Even if we exclude New York City, the rate's 78.5 per 100,000, while it's still 30 per in Arizona, 20 per in Florida, 17.7 in California, and 11.1 in Texas. Now, this was written on July 17th. So this is you know, five, six days old. Uh, and I think that some of those numbers in Florida and California have gone up. But in our new newscast, immediately you know, preceding this show uh, on our flagship station in Rochester, we know still that even with the spike in, quote, cases, and again, uh, as we discussed earlier in the program, we don't know what cases means, uh, but the, the rate is still nine times higher in New York than it is in California. And I believe we've what we had seventy eight thousand get deaths in New York. Uh, oh, so really? Wh- is it that high now? Wow. Well, as of the seventeenth, it's at thirty two thousand. But I thought that I'll have to check that. Uh, but anyway, you know. And then he put out his bizarre, you know, poster last week. Uh, and uh, and then you have this Andy Slavitt, the perpetually mistaken Obama era bureaucrat, who's constantly being trotted out by cable news as an expert on coronavirus. He says there's no other place to beat the disease better than New York. Others claim New York's victory could be seen in its lack of deaths this week. This is tantamount, says Mr. Harsanyi, to declaring New York victorious over Islamic terrorism on 9-12 because nobody died in the city that day. So... Yeah. And, you know, I mean, so it just needs to be noted here that don't don't you know be alert to the fact that Andy is being sold muscularly throughout the entire country as the coronavirus wizard. Yeah, which yeah. he is, when, which he's anything nah. but. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I I gotta say, um, 
I believe that his approval numbers were up maybe like three months ago. You know, when he first started his daily briefings, um, I think people felt like a good sense of communication from him. They felt like there was some leadership there. Um, I'm not going to dispute that. I heard it from Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, libertarians across the board. So many people said that. But I think that withered away pretty quickly as um, as those daily live streams just carried on and on and on. Well, then the the nursing home deaths, too. Yeah, and that that certainly put a plug in it right there, I think. So, all right, guys, we're going to take a break here. We'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York. Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention. Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. Bob, you know something we haven't talked about in a really, really long time? Mm, no, no, actually. I thought we talked about everything continuously. Well, we, we kind of do. I mean, I, I guess technically we have, but but we haven't done the bad law segment in a really long time. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And and one of the things I, I came across this last week that I, I thought was worth sharing with you guys, um, I went to a presentation and found out as a part of that presentation that in every municipality in New York State, your dog has to be registered. And according to New York Agricultural and Markets Law, Article 7, Section 109, if your dog is not registered to the municipality in New York State, police can actually seize your dog without a warrant and then later make you pay to have the dog back, which I had I had no idea. I didn't like so we always register our dogs, um, you know for a long time we had dogs we didn't even know that there was such a thing as a dog registry and you know one day something happened you know animal control knocked on our door um asked if we had dogs and and we're like yeah of course we have dogs and they're like well they're not registered and and we had no idea and it it was kind of like it wasn't a confrontational thing it was like one of the neighbor's dogs got out um and somebody on the street thought the dog belonged to us and they basically like, well, you need to go register the dog. So no dog Karen blew you in. No, no. And this was like years and years ago. This was like, I don't know, six, seven years ago, something. Um, so, you know, it's it's simple but annoying. You have to like go downtown with proof of vaccinations, pay your fee, and then you get these little like blue tags to clip onto the dog's collar to prove that they're registered. Um, but I had no idea that this was a statewide thing. And if your dog is not registered to the state, the state can seize your dog. Yeah. It's an ag and markets thing. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, I mean, I, uh, once again, this, this is the thing, you know, you, you talk about the taxes in New York state and how, how expensive it is to live here. And certainly it is in property in terms of property taxes and personal income taxes. And, if you own a business, you know, the business taxes. But then there's all of these little fees and uh, charges and, you know, licenses that you have to have. And that's that's one of them. Now, the dog, uh, you know, it's been a while since Alfie's had her uh, has had her booster and all that stuff. But um, 
I I think that it used to be like five bucks, and now I, I'm drawing a blank. Now that you brought it up, I I think it's more like fifty bucks now to register. I, I could be wrong about that. It's a lot more though to register your dog. Yeah, yeah, and it's one of those things. I think the price varies by municipality to municipality. So depending on where you live, um, they kind of get to set whatever price they want. But I I find it just I don't find it surprising because of everything I know about New York state, but it's just like every time you turn around something that maybe you didn't anticipate um, pops up. And and once you hear about it, you're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. New York state would try to take that money out of my pocket too. But up until that point, you're like, really? I, my dog needs to be registered. Like it's a vehicle or something. Um, and, and a dog is a is a living being, which for many people is they see as a member of their family. Some people see it that way. Some people don't. Um, and it's it's kind of like one of those things for those people who see a pet a pet dog as a member of their family. Um, it's almost like New York State is charging them a you know like a child tax or something like that that you have to don't don't say it out loud. Don't don't, don't give many ideas. Yeah, yeah, though that's probably the only thing left that that they haven't taxed. Um I'm I'm trying to think. I mean there's well, I did post maybe six months ago asking people what you could do that isn't taxed in New York. Um and most of the th- responses that I got back were uh inappropriate and I can't mention them on the radio. Ah. But <laughs> but that that's about it. That's that's really about it, you know? Um, yeah, so just, uh, figured I'd share that with you guys. Cause I had no idea. Um, I never thought to look into the New York agriculture and markets law to see, um, what, what my requirements are for my pet. And I definitely had no idea that this was like a statewide thing and that they could just seize my pet if not registered. Basically you gotta be vaccinated. That, that's the deal. I uh, got to have the rabies vaccine. I can't remember if the other vaccines are required now or not. Uh, I just know that when she goes to the, you know, the vets that she gets that. The rabies uh, is uh, a booster situation every three years. Uh, some of the other ones are uh, annual. Uh, there's that LPDH or DHLP, uh, diphtheria, leptospirosis, distemper, blah, blah, blah. A- anyway, it's a multi-shot, and that one I think is every three years too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's kind of interesting because, you know, if New York State were to follow this model, which I'm, I'm sure they will, New York State, I don't know. It, you know, Bob, it would be interesting for us to look at the history of taxation in New York State and see – if there's ever been a tax truly eliminated in the state. And when I say truly eliminated, I don't mean they go, oh, yeah, we're going to stop taxing this. And then they just kind of like make a new fee somewhere else. I mean, like truly they go, yeah, this was a bad idea. We're not going to do it. We're going to forego this revenue and just never collect it anywhere else either um, and eliminate this tax or eliminate this fee. It would be really interesting to see um if that's ever happened how often it's happened like who who was responsible for it my assumption is it would be only local stuff like in your local municipality if it exists at all 
Um, but that, that would be pretty interesting. I think about if, school uh, taxes probably levied on a non-existent district because I, I know there have been districts which have over the years have disappeared. So that you know would probably qualify. Possibility, but. yeah. But my guess is that the state is still taxing it somehow, anyways, to put it in the state's bucket for you know their redistribution of the wealth. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's possibility. If a school district goes away, maybe the school tax goes away. Um, I'm trying to think if there's really anything else that I could think of because here's here's the reason I bring it up is because every single year they quote unquote cut taxes, they reduce taxes, they give a tax credit, um, but their budget is always up a couple extra million, you know, depending or or if in terms of the state, a couple extra billion. Um, so somehow they figured out how to cut taxes, but collect more revenue and increase their budgets every year. Well, what the, the, the most glaring example of this are the school budgets, because as we all know, school populations in upstate New York are shrinking and they've, they've shrunk by, you know, a considerable margin. If you, if you take it back 15, 20 years, most of these districts are down 30, 40%, no kidding. And some, some way more than that. Yet the school taxes keep going up and up and up and up. And the cost per pupil is out of control. And you go into some of these schools, I mean, these these facilities are, quite frankly, ridiculous. I mean, they're, they're lavish to a degree that's, that really bears no direct correlation to the quality of education that the kids are getting. They're just getting these Taj Mahal schools with, you know, hydroponic, you know, uh, Gardens on the roof and, um, you know, gold-plated IT facilities and pools and athletic facilities. I mean, I think it's great that kids have the best, but, I mean, you know, at some point you have to draw a line. You have to say we have to stop the spending. Yeah, I I remember um, having to make a decision on on a spending thing for new walls, new floors, new furniture for a facility – and my question was, are the are there holes in the floors? Like, what's what's wrong with the walls? And is the furniture that badly damaged? Like, how long ago was it create like put in place? And uh, I was basically told, no, this is like, why would you question this? This is what we do every so many years. Um, it doesn't matter the condition of the furniture or the walls; it needs to be replaced. And I'm like. Well, what do you mean it needs to be replaced? What this is that's not how it works. You know, I would rather um see students get an amazing education and actual life skills than give a brand new desk. You know, like it, the desk is is not important. The quality of the education is um so yeah, there you go. Guys, thank you so much for joining me here on Radio Free New York. We'll be back same time, same place tomorrow.